welcome and thank you for listening to the Dr. Mom Sage Advice Podcast. Are you a single mom who is tired of feeling overwhelmed by doing it all? Have you been asking yourself, what is my real purpose outside of motherhood and my career? Are you tired of yelling, feeling mom guilt at the end of the day? If you're ready to go from chaos to confidence in your mindset and in parenting, then this is the place for you. Here we are authentic, transparent, and frankly, we're here to burst all of those mom guilt bubbles and empower you to take back control of your life so you can go from just surviving in motherhood to thriving and walking confidently in your best purpose-filled life God intended for you. I'm your host, Dr. Catricia, a board-certified bilingual pediatrician. I'm also fellowship-trained in pediatric urgent care medicine. That's just my fancy title for the weekdays, but 24-7, I'm the proud single mommy of my little wild mini-me toddler. I'm also a postpartum depression survivor. Now, I'm on a mission to empower other single moms to take back control of their life. Through candid conversations, we will learn, be encouraged, inspired, and committed to making practical changes so we can be our best selves for the queen who reigns already inside of us. So sit back and relax, mommy. This is your time to unwind. Go ahead, grab your favorite drink. Pour me one too, queen, because it's time for our girl talk. Let's talk about all things motherhood, mindset, and even medicine. No, not like medicine, medicine, but you know, remember, I'm a pediatrician. So I'm gonna go ahead and give you some pediatric tips on how to parent, right? I hope that you love listening to and learning from the podcast. But please remember, it's not intended to be a substitution for a physician-patient relationship. I queen. If you're ready, I'm ready. Let's go. Welcome back to the Dr. Mom Sage Advice Podcast. I'm Dr. Catricia, and I'm here with Dr. Michelle today. And I'm so excited because she is the second physician that I'm having on my podcast in this Thriving Single Mother series. And let me tell you, her story is so unique because she's also not only a single mom, but she's a single mom via foster and adoptive care. And I just love that story um, because you don't really hear a lot of single mothers sharing that story. And it really is another avenue to parent. Um, And when you're doing that as a single mom, you really do need the village support, um, which we talked about previously in other episodes with why it's so important to have community. So Dr. Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Please go ahead and introduce yourself. Well, first of all, thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me today. Um, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to share my story. But um, I'm Michelle Voltz, and I am an interventional cardiologist with the Northside Cardiovascular Institute in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I am a mom to eight kiddos in total. I have become a mom biologically through domestic adoption, through foster adoption, and then I actually have two bonus kids um, through a former marriage. I got divorced, but I kept the kiddos. Um, And so I have eight kids total. And then my sister, who actually started me on my fostering journey, has four children of her own. And so we live together with the 10 youngest kids and um, our 91-year-old grandmother. So it's a pretty busy household. 
Wow. What a beautiful story. Like you, like, see, I follow you on social media and I thought I knew like the order of your story and how many kiddos are there, but like, I didn't know that there were some that are not even in the house. And I definitely didn't know there was a 91 year old grandmother who's a part of your village too. <laughs> yes, we, um, we have a whole bunch of kids. Actually, I had the amazing honor um, a couple of weeks ago of cloaking my stepdaughter as she became a first year medical student. So that was a really cool experience. That is so beautiful. Like, you know, one of the, I was prepping questions prior to like you coming on and I was thinking, you know, I'm a mom of one and I feel like a lot of times she has like three different personalities, but like, how do you, how do you like engage with all the different individual personalities and just show up to be available for what their needs are when they're, they range in so many different ages and maybe in different cities or like one's in med school and I'm sure you have others in elementary school. Like that's just a variety of personalities for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, people ask how you parent all of these kids. And the truth is that you parent them just like you parent one kid. Um, I understand every one of my kids. I understand their nuances, their personalities. And I would say that if you tell me what was done in this house, I can tell you who did it. So if there's a hole in the wall, I can tell you who made the hole in the wall. If somebody cut somebody else's hair, I can give you a pretty good idea as to who did it. That is so beautiful. Did you come from a big family yourself? So I have four, um, there are four of us in my family, but actually um, my siblings are all half siblings. So I was the oldest by seven years and then everybody else was younger than I was. And I was raised by my grandparents. Um, my three biological siblings were raised um, by my mother and her husband. So I really grew up sort of like an only child. And to be honest, I found that to be really lonely. And so I knew that I always wanted my children to have a bunch of siblings and cousins and people. I knew that I always wanted them to have people. And it's just been such a gift to be able to create this family and, and a gift for me, a gift for the kids. Yeah, that definitely is an, a beautiful gift. And I can see the connection, you know, like being an only child and saying, well, no, like I want my family to look totally opposite of where, how I was weird. Um, how did you, so then when did you and your sister start discussing like fostering um, and how did you become a foster parent? So my sister actually got me into fostering. So she fostered first. She's fostered um, 17 children. And um, she had a little girl who was absolutely adorable. And <clears throat> when her foster daughter was about five months old and shortly, I had just gotten out of a, a relatively ugly divorce and I had my three kids, two of whom were domestically adopted and one biological child. And I'd been talking about fostering because I'd always dreamed of having a big family and pregnancy was very, very difficult for me. And so I knew I, I probably wasn't going to have any more biological children. And she had this little girl who was five months old. And she came to me and she said, this little girl's mom is pregnant with twins. And I can't take these twins because she also had three other children in her house at the time. So she had four kids total. She said, I can't do it. I don't have the time or the energy or the money to take these twins. 
but if you took them, then we could raise the kids very close to each other and they would know their siblings. And I said, okay, sounds good. And ironically, um, I lost a set of twins in the second trimester, um, a, a pregnancy in the second trimester. And so it seemed like God was speaking right. to me. Right. And so I said, you know what, I'll do it. And so I got my foster license. My license came through um, two days after the twins were born. My sister wow. had major surgery. Um, and I said, I know as soon as you have this surgery, these babies are going to be born. And the babies were born four days after she had major surgery. She was still in the hospital. <laughs> and I picked them up from the hospital. Wow. That's sort of how I started my foster journey. Wow. What a, like, what a, what a beautiful story to like, know that like your mother and your aunts like had this plan so that you guys, the, the siblings could be raised together. That's so beautiful. Um, I actually, what ended up happening was unfortunately, um, their parents passed away and I ended up adopting all three of them. So oh. Oh, I now wow. have all three of the kids. Oh, wow. Since, and they've been in your family since newborn and five months of life. And how, what are their ages now? They're five, five and five. five, five. They're only, they're oh, 10 and a half God. months apart. So for okay. six weeks out of the year, I have a set of triplets. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. And here I just joked about feeling like my only one five-year-old feels like triplets. No, you legit have five-year-old triplets. I do. How does one, how did you go about like going through the process of obtaining your, your foster um, license, fostering um, license? Is that how you, how you call it? Is it a foster license? It's a foster care license. Okay. Um, so every state is a little bit different, but the general process involves going to a training. Usually it's a couple of several hour trainings that you go to where they tell you the ins and outs of fostering, what is required of you, what is expected of you, what your rights and responsibilities are. And um, after that, if you still want to, to foster, then you go through a home study where they come and they evaluate your physical household. They evaluate you, your parenting style. Um, they evaluate the other children in your home. They make sure that you don't have a criminal history or a child abuse history, a CPS history, all of those things. They make sure that you have a viable care plan for the children that you intend to bring into your home. So it's okay to work and foster. You can say my care plan is daycare or my care plan is a nanny or my care plan is a family member. Um, all of those things are okay. They wanna make sure that you have adequate support. So they'll ask you for support people. Um, if you get sick, is there somebody who can help you with the child? Things like that. Um, and then they'll ask for an idea as to what type of children you're comfortable taking. Mm -hmm. So you give them a range. Um, when I fostered early in the process, I said, I don't want to take children who are older than the children I currently have in my home, because it just wasn't something at the time I was comfortable with. I was new to fostering. And I felt like I needed some experience. And then as time went on, I, I took kids who were older um, once, I, once I had an idea about what I was doing. But you, if you desire to do so, you can be specific about race or gender or um, exposures, medical conditions, things like that. Right. 
that's very comprehensive. You know, one part of that, which well, a lot of that I didn't know, but I definitely didn't realize, and it makes sense that they ask about your support system, you know, because think about it, like, yeah, when I'm a single mother or even a two-parent home, you know, parents are getting ill. It's like, well, who takes care of the child after that? So are they then going to those support system houses and like doing background checks on those family members as well? So they will do um, anybody who is considered a close family member. So if you have a nanny, for example, they will do a background check on your nanny. Um, anywhere that the child is going to stay overnight, they'll have to do a background check. Anybody who's sort of more peripherally involved in your life as a support person, so anybody who may babysit for you for a couple of hours, um, they will ask for their information and they'll run, they won't do fingerprints and those type of things, but they will run um, a criminal background check on those folks as well. Gotcha. Um, and is this, when you say they, is this through like your state agencies or these are like private like agencies? Like so they have both in, in Michigan, which is where I had my foster license. They have both private agencies as well as you can go through DHHS. Okay. So you can go through the state or you can go through a private agency, depending okay. on what you choose. And I think that's the case for most states, although I believe that there are states that only use DHHS and don't allow private agencies. Okay. So essentially what I hear you saying is that for most of my audience who listens, we're single mothers, that like, if this is something that's been on a single mother's heart, it definitely is doable. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a paucity of, of foster homes and particularly um, foster homes with foster parents of color. And we have a disproportionate number of children of color in the foster care system. And, you know, it's really, um, it, it's really important that we have as many safe foster homes as, as we can that are willing to take and, and to really nourish and enrich children of color. Right. Right, and, right. Um, you know, another thing that you have to be careful about is a lot of people go into fostering with an intention to adopt. Right. And, <clears throat> you know, there are a certain number of foster children who are legally free for adoption, who are already permanent court wards. But um, in most cases, those children are going to be older and they're going to have significant medical and behavioral issues. Most of the children in foster care are temporary court wards, which means that the goal is reunification. And as a foster parent, it is our job to support reunification until or unless that goal should change. And so it's very important that we are supportive of the children's first family. Right. Um, and, and that can be sort of a hard thing to learn, you know, because it's, it's very easy to criticize, but particularly as a single mom, we know how hard it is. And, you know, I, I tend to look at, at, at birth moms and, and I think, you know what, you're not that far away from me. I just happen to have more resources and I happen to have more support than you have. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, you can, you can see yourself in, in those moms. And, and so really as single mothers, we tend to be some of the best foster parents because we really can connect and we really can give those moms the support that they need. Yeah. I love that you brought that up because 
so as a pediatrician, um, that is my only experience thus far, you know, with foster parents and foster care is when I'm taking care of children um, because they're being brought to my clinic by their foster parents. And in, even in some cases where I had taken care of that child with their biological parent and was the one who had to, unfortunately, you know, as a mandated reporter, send in the report um, and then the child was removed, you know, for findings that I found on exam. But I've always... I don't know if there's a term, but I've always, um, especially, especially as a physician who is a minority and when my patients, you know, are minorities and they may not be paired with a minority foster parent, I feel like there's this kind of unspoken judgment or judgmental tone from foster parents sometimes, like when we're making decisions about certain things. Um, and it just, it doesn't, I won't say it rubs me the wrong way. It just makes, it just piques my curiosity in regards to, you know, what their intentionality is, you know, because again, like you just mentioned, like the, the goal is to reunite, you know, and I don't always know all the legality cases of why a child was removed unless, you know, in this particular case where I know because I reported the, the mother, but it just makes me wonder, like, the impact that that has, you know, on the child and like, um, in regards to like the parenting style that you were mentioning, um, and, and what would be, um, or how do you, how do you, how do you navigate that when, um, again, like you said, the goal is to reunite. I mean, you're bonding, you're connecting with this child who now is an extension of your family, but also trying to continue to have that rapport with their biological parent, if it's safe, um, and for and to nurture that for that child and still have that nurturing relationship with their biological parent. I'll tell you. Um, so when my little one's mom passed away, um, I actually paid for her funeral. Like she, you know, I think that honoring her is honoring them. You know, she's a big part of who they are. Now, on the flip side, I have fostered children um, that I thought had absolutely no business going back. And, and I have fought the system very, very hard to prevent their return, um, unfortunately, unsuccessfully. And, and they ended up back in care and, and more damaged when they came back. So, you know, I've seen both sides of the coin and it's very difficult because I do think you know, the other side of that is that foster parents get labeled as these people who are trying to steal people's children. And so frequently, they're not always listened to and respected when they are saying, hey, I don't think this is a good plan. Um, and, and so it's unfortunate, I think, in both directions. You know, and I'm, I'm glad that you brought up that, that second piece, because obviously it's not as me not being a foster parent, I wouldn't even like have that viewpoint to see how it is unfair on that side, on that other side of the coin as well. And that makes a lot of sense because especially when you've been with a child um, and I'm thinking about the case where the baby has only really known this foster family, you know, um, and now she's about to be one that all of her life, that's, that is, her, those are her parents essentially. Um, and so they, when you're when you're when you're selflessly choosing to open your home to care for someone um that really causes you to have to evolve as a parent you know like and even shift in what you were doing maybe um your personal goals in the moment to to support the needs of that child because especially when the families are still involved and how do you as a woman like how, how did you 
how would you say you've been evolving in your motherhood now that you've become a foster mother to, into adoptive mother um, since your divorce? Um, I think that <clears throat> I have come much more to see that raising children really is a village. Mm -hmm. I've come to see that accepting love from people, from all people is important to my children. Um, I have really grown my relationship, even with my children that I adopted domestically with their birth families and with their birth parents. And it's really been beautiful to watch. You know, I've learned that having a child is not about possession. It's about, it's about love. It's about giving them the largest, most loving circle that you can give them. Yeah, that's beautiful. You're right. As, as a conscious parent myself, like I, it really is not about like trying to manipulate and have this mini version of you. Um, it is about love and especially in your, in your case where, you know, you have children who come into your home who are, you know, not at birth, you know, like there's things have already been nurtured and cultivated in their life. And now you're like, okay, we're, you're trying to connect and, and, and have a relationship with like how this human already being already has been shaped and molded um, and try not to just go in to change, but to um, groom whatever right. was there. Like I, that, that yeah. takes a lot of love and patience. You don't want to erase the people that they are. You want to build on it. Exactly. Exactly. You know? And and there are some things, right? You there are some some habits and there are some some learned behaviors that sometimes you want to sort of tamp down a little bit. Um, but but you really want to you know you you want to meet them where they are. You want to love them where they're at. And and it's the same with birth parents and it's the same with patients. I mean, it's taught me so much about taking care of patients as well, right? That, that instead of expecting people to come to us, we have to come to them. What do you mean by that? Um, so over the last several years, I've started to look at medicine and realize that we sit in our offices and we make these decrees. You will take these medicines, you will have these tests, you will do X, Y, and Z. And if the patients don't do these things, we declare them non-compliant. Right. And in actuality, what we're not saying is, hey, how much do these medicines cost? Do you have a ride to pick them up? Were you able to get to this test? What are your barriers and how do I help you break them down? And so we need to do that. You know, we need to meet people halfway. And really, it's all through life. It's not, just, you know, and, and it's the same with parenting, particularly parenting people who've already been started by somebody else. It's the same with, you know, dealing with birth families, right? If we want birth moms to, to change the way that they parent, then we've got to meet them halfway. And, and it's, 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 it's how we make change all around. Right. Instead of saying like fit into my system or like this right. box that I created for you, let me see where do you start right. and what are what may may you be lacking? How can I widen my box? Right. You know, so that you don't have to come so far. Exactly. Exactly. Um, 
I love it. It's this, the, it's the social determinants of how, and it also makes me think like, you know, so which uh, impact the adverse childhood experiences that children have, which I know you see a lot in fostering um, in the foster care system, because um, most of the time they're being removed. It's for some sort of traumatic experience or neglectful experience. Um, and that's the baseline that you're having to start with. Um, how do you, how do your children, like the children, um, who have been adopted, like, and bio, your biological children, all of your babies, like, now um, interact as they see, like, new babies and children come into your home through the foster care system? Like, how how do they build relationships? Um, they love, first of all, they love it. My kids are so excited. Um, <laughs> but they, it was funny, because they don't really understand that, like, we don't get to keep everybody. So, um, one time we had, we were doing respite care, which is just where you take care of a foster child for a day or two while their foster family is maybe on vacation or somebody's sick. Um, and, my, you know, we got to the end of the time period and the child was going home and my kids were like, but, but can't we keep her? And, you know, they're like, but why does she have to go home? <laughs> and then um, I remember when one foster came, my kids were at their father's, they'd been at their father's house the night she came. So they weren't there when she arrived. And when they came the next morning, because she had gotten in at like midnight and by the time we got her all cleaned up and her hair taken down and all of those things, it was about three in the morning. And so I just put her in my bed. And so my kids came home from their dad's house at about seven in the morning. And my son looked and he said, who's that? And I told him her name and he said, oh, all right, well, I'll just meet her when she wakes up. And that was it. And then she was just one of them. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. they're just, they get used to it. Yeah. You know, and they, they begin to embrace people. I can only imagine is, but you know, is when you already have a big family and full of other siblings, like, um, that's a beautiful thing. How, um, how do you, how do you make the time for yourself? You know, as a single mom, I know you have your sister who also has her babies and your grandmother. But how do you how do you find time as a single mom to pour back into yourself when you're managing so many little bitty schedules and so many different personalities? <laughs> one has to be here, one has to be there. I see your sister tag you and post. She's like, you know, like when they're doing all their softball games, whatever. I'm just like, oh my gosh, like how do they get them to every place they need to be? <laughs> well, between my sister and my amazing nanny. Um, we do a pretty good job of getting everybody where they need to be, which is why this is particularly painful because after her C-section, she's not allowed to drive. So, um, but, you know, I, I, and I preach this to my patients and I'm not always as good at it as I should be, but I say, you deserve 30 minutes of your day. You get 30 minutes, 30 minutes belong to you, whether you, you know, ride your Peloton or take a bath or read a book or drink a cup of tea or do yoga you get 30 minutes out of every day. And, um, and, and that's what I try to do for myself. I try to give myself 30 minutes, whether it's watching bad TV or taking a bath. And I do, um, I do occasionally sneak away for a weekend. And my sister is amazing at sort of encouraging me to do that. You know, she and I really do say, hey, you need to get out of here. And, you know, we're good about looking at each other and saying, oh, it's time for you to take a break. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I, I get my time. Sometimes, you know, you just sit in the driveway when you get home from work for 15 minutes and just say, okay, I, I can do this. I'm, I can go inside. I'll be all right. 
that's a whole nother level of self-care honestly a lot of times when i'm in the driveway is because the child fell asleep and i'm like well you need this nap so let me just scroll my phone. <laughs> but i get it you know when, and i need this quiet yes and then they're peeking out the window like what is she doing like uh, this is my self-care um when you were saying that maybe made me remember i didn't even ask the icebreaker questions because i have a, a fun one that i always like to ask which is are you a morning person or a night owl? So I was thinking about that when you were talking about the 30 minutes per day. Like, where do you, where do you find this 30 minutes? So um, I used to be a night owl when I was young. Now I would say I'm neither. <laughs> I would like to go to bed early and sleep in late <laughs> if I were left to my own devices. Um, but I think if, you know, if I'm in my most natural state, I'm a night owl. Okay, gotcha. Um, I like it. What is your favorite Disney movie? Ooh, that's a hard one. I would say that my favorite Disney movie is probably Beauty and the Beast. I like but that. That's all. I, you know, I've seen them all. So, all? I, How many are there? <laughs> all the Disney movies? Oh my oh, god! Oh no, I thought you meant all the all the beauty. I was like, how many? Oh no, I see. I think I've seen all the Disney movies. Oh wow. So, that makes it a difficult question, but I would say Beauty and the Beast is probably my favorite. Oh wow, I don't, I don't think I've seen them all. There, there's too many to count. <laughs> okay, last question: If you were the star of a movie, who would play you? Who would play me? Probably Angelina Jolie, based upon. <laughs> looks but <laughs> yeah I like it we seem to have the same bad taste in men and we seem to adopt lots of children so <laughs> and have that natural mother love to like open up your home to more babies I love it that makes sense to me for sure um so was there ever can you think of a time or event in your single motherhood journey where you kind of just realized that you were transitioning from you know, people looking on the outside may be like, wow, you have a lot going on. This seems chaotic. How do you manage this? You're a doctor, you're a single mom, you have all these babies and your sister lives with you with her babies as well. How, when do you feel like you transitioned from, okay, I'm just going through survival mode or through the motions to actually like thriving and confidently saying, this is what, this is our life. And this is, um, it's not overwhelming. And I am, we're doing well, you know, um, what when when did that moment come from you if you could think of a specific time or specific events I think my most overwhelmed I only had three kids and I was just getting divorced um back in 2015 actually that's when I thought I don't think I can do this I don't think I'm going to make it um and then you know coming out of the marriage and finding my footing and buying us a new home and really sort of getting us on the right track, everything else has felt very natural and very organic. Even when the twins were little, um, you know, when I was up all night, it still felt like we were okay. That's a beautiful thing. So it just, it gives you reassurance that like, this is, this is my purpose. This is where I'm supposed to be. Like you have peace. Yeah, this is where I belong. Yeah. I this chaos that. is, is my life. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, um, as a single mom, do you outsource? I mean, you heard you mention you have absolutely <laughs> everything. I every single thing I can outsource, I outsource. Cleaning, laundry, everything. 
things break and I'm like, they must have somebody I can hire to fix this, right? Now, that being said, I do, um, I laugh all the time. I tell my sister I'm her husband because I I do all of like the fixing and the painting and the, the upkeep, you know, <laughs> Halloween decorations outside and climbing on the roof. Like that's all my job. Yeah, I love it. Like I'm just now starting to evolve into like, well, it's okay. You could pay someone for that because honestly, I think for me, that's where my overwhelm comes from, you know, like having to quote, do it all. You're only one person and you can't fully show up as your best self for yourself first and for your babies and then for your patients, your colleagues, if you're depleted, you know, by doing all these extra manage house manager things. Yep. My nanny. Um, so my kids are now all in school except for the baby. So all the other nine are all in school. So this year, um, my nanny sort of took over a house manager role and it has been the most beautiful change. She does all the grocery shopping. She does all of the like deliveries, taking things back to the store. You know, she's like, oh, by the way, did you know they're supposed to bring snack on Saturday? So I bought them, put them into these lovely little snack bags and they're in a box in the back of the van ready for you to drop off. Perfect. Thank you. Because I don't do that stuff, you yeah. know? And the twins needed posters for pre-K. So I had the pictures printed and glued them all on with gl glittery letters. Thank you. It's amazing. Wow. Wow. I like... I definitely need one of those for the one kid I have now. <laughs> it's amazing. Because the weight I, that's taken off my shoulders is amazing. I bet. And I bet it, it gives you even more of those 30 minutes that you're entitled to that you were mentioning earlier. Like that, having that extra person to be like your right-hand person, like it makes all the difference, especially when the kids are smaller. Mm -hmm. Well, and there are just a million things projects and snack and homework sheets and this and I'm like what come on yeah can I just give money Do you, can we just pay money you know we have to work at this many softball games I'm like can we hire people to do this how oh, do can I just write a check <laughs> oh my god they physically want you to be at so many oh yes oh yeah wow and which I don't really mind but I'm like I have three five-year-olds who's gonna watch them well yeah. I'm the dugout mom yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not ready for that life. <laughs> so what would you, what would be your three pearls of wisdom to another single mom who's listening to your story in regards to when she's feeling overwhelmed and showing her like this, this can be done. Like you're able to do it. Um, and yet she may not have the, the funds for a house manager. She may not have her sister living in the house, but what are some three practical advice that you can give to that, that newly single mom or who's maybe fresh out of divorce, um, to continue to push forward, knowing that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So number one, and I do cardio obstetrics. So I actually spend a lot of time talking to new moms, um, whether they're married, single or otherwise. Number one, motherhood is one lifelong exercise in self-forgiveness. Okay is okay. Perfection is not required. You are an imperfect mother to an imperfect child and that is absolutely fine. Um, the second piece of advice is that no is a complete sentence. You do not have to volunteer for everything. It is perfectly fine to sign up to bring the plastic forks. 
you do not have to make a giant homemade cake. Um, actually, it's funny. My um, my best friend and I um, back when we she's got four kids now, but back when I only used to have one kid and she only used to have two kids, um, she used to say, and she works full time as well. And she would um, she would sign up for things at school and when she would sign up for things, she would always sign up for the most complicated thing. You know, she would sign up for 48 cupcakes. And, um, and I would do the same thing, you know? And, um, and we used to, to talk about it on the phone and she'd say, these are the, I'm a good mother, damn it, cupcakes. <laughs> um, and, and I stopped signing up for those things. And I said, you know what? I'll just bring the napkins. There must be somebody who can make the I'm a good mother cupcakes. I'll yeah. just bring the napkins. The napkins are fine. They need napkins too. Yeah. So no is a complete sentence. It's okay to bring the napkins. And then the third thing is that you will disappoint your children and they will disappoint you. And it's all right. It's part of life. Yeah. They will love you anyway and you will love them anyway. Yeah. I love that. So that's basically ditch the perfection. And I'm sure if you, when you, when we, when we come out of this, like, you know, we all have this vision that we have for being mothers and when it doesn't play out part of the playbook, then the mom guilt like just rises up to the top and there's just no room for that. Especially stop, like, watching, stop watching people's Instagram feeds. Yeah. Stop watching Facebook. It's all a lie. They're tired. They're fat. <laughs> they're exhausted. Yeah they're crying. I promise you, they're just like you. Yeah. Yeah. There's no perfect motherhood. And, you know, I always say, especially as a, as a parent coach, is that, and our babies don't need perfect parents. They need us to be happy. They need us to be thriving. That's what this series is about. Like when we get to, when we can get to the place where we're like, we're not signing up for those 48 cupcakes and staying up late, you know, like driving ourselves insane. And you actually are being present in the moment. Like, you expand your heart to receive like what you never really knew you needed, you know, to be able to give, to give more, you know, but when you're depleted by doing all this extra stuff that gets labeled as mom things, like are single dads signing up for that? Or the dad's doing the 48 cupcakes? I mean, why is it our burden? Nobody complains about the dad who brings the napkins. People say, <laughs> single dad, he brought napkins. <laughs> he is amazing. <laughs> Nope, the single dad. Yeah. And you know what? While you were making those 48 cupcakes, your baby could have crawled up in your lap and the two of you could have watched a movie and it would have been worth so much more. Definitely. They say it, it's so cliche, but it's the truth. The years go by so fast. The days are long, but the years fly by fast. I mean, your twins are five and their older sibling is, is I don't know that she's five at this moment of the six months of the year, but like she is. <laughs> so you have five-year-olds. You're just like, you think, well, you think, oh, well, five is a long time. If I stay in a job for five years, or if it took me five years to go through grad school, but when a kid goes from zero to five, it's a bleak. No, they were babies yesterday. It's a bleak. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I really appreciate it. So fast. You just yeah. have to enjoy it. Just yeah, enjoy I mean, them. Yeah. And definitely, I, you know, it makes sense that you, I can understand your perspective in saying that too, because especially when you are a mommy and see babies come in and out, like you just, you may not always know, like for the length of time or what was decided upon could get changed at any moment. So I, I understand the 
the stance of like being present in the moment. You're like, here's my opportunity to pour as much as I can and to love on them in the season because it may be, you know, taken away. Yeah. yeah. So I get it. I get it. What would be um, for any mother who's listening in this picture interest of how to get started with like fostering? Like, how could she start? What should she, what blogs should she be reading or Facebook groups to join as a single mom? Like, if this is a, a passion of her desire, she's been thinking about putting it off for years and years and years. And now she's ready. Oh, there's a single mom. There's a single foster mom Facebook group. Actually, there are a couple of single foster mom Facebook groups um, that are really excellent. I would say because the laws are different in every state, um, the best thing to do is to call your state Department of Health and Human Services, or sometimes they call it Department of Children and Family Services, depending on the state, and just ask them how to get started. Or you can Google fostering in my state and um, and just look up how to get started. But usually it starts with an information night and they'll tell you a ton in those couple of hours, but they welcome single parents. They don't have any bias against single parents. Um, and it's a beautiful and gratifying experience. And, you know, people say, how do you do it, right? How, how do you do it? How does it not break your heart? And the answer is it does. It breaks your heart every single time one of them leaves. Um, but number one, I know that while they were in my home, I gave them joy. I gave them love. I gave them stability and warmth and kindness. And people also say, what about your kids? Your kids have to go through so much loss. And I say, yes, they do. But number one, they need to learn how to lose things because they're going to experience loss in their lives. And number two, my kids go through loss and then they go to sleep in their nice, warm, comfortable beds in their stable and loving home. And they get up the next morning and they still have their lives and they will process this loss and we will move on as a family. And so I don't worry about my kids because we'll, we get through this. Right. And at the end of the day, it makes us stronger and it makes us better. Right which is another piece of thriving and flourishing. Um, any last parting words of wisdom for a single mother who may feel like she's just trying to survive from day to day to a place of now, to, to get to a place of where she's thriving in life and being able to understand what her purpose is um, and being comfortable in the season that she's in and with the way her family looks. Sometimes surviving is winning. Sometimes just getting through the day, even if your kids eat Fruit Loops for dinner and wear the same clothes two days in a row and skip their bath, it's okay. It is all right. And even though it seems right now like you will never see sunshine again, it won't last forever. You will feel joy again. You will get to a place where you have a family with which you are happy. And Find the joy, the small bits of joy in this difficult time and be prepared because there are better things on the horizon. I love it. Find the joy and be prepared because 
is just a comma. There's not a period. There's better coming. I love it. Thank you so much, Dr. Michelle Volt. It's been a pleasure. Like I always wrap up the conversation by allowing the guests, or excuse me, the audience who's listening to learn more about you and how they can stay in touch with you. You know, is there like um, maybe like a Facebook or Instagram handle where they can send you an email or a DM? Like how can they stay in contact with you? So um, my Instagram and my Twitter are both um, at heartdoc and crew, all spelled out. H-E-A-R-T-D-O-C-A-N-D-C-R-E-W at Heart Doc and Crew. Perfect. And then my Facebook is Michelle Volts. So. Perfect. And I will put that in the show notes for anyone who wanted to just ask a follow-up question or just wants to see the beautiful Heart Doc and Crew doing all their amazing adventures. Um, Because you guys, you definitely are out there rolling deep. Definitely roll and we load up that 15 passenger van and you might see us in any part of the country. (laughs) I love it. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. You too.